in Ukraine, COVID, the Biden presidency, and the elections. You are listening to The John DePietro Show. Good afternoon. Right now it's 108. It is Tuesday, October 25th. You're listening to the John DePietro Show. It's AM 1380 and 99.9 FM. This portion of the program, folks, brought to you by the Lodge Pub and Eatery, 40 Breakneck Hill Road in Lincoln. I received a nice email from Kevin that said, Juan, I want to thank you. You you said it would be a good time to go watch the Patriots game, uh, Monday Night Football at the Lodge Pub and Eatery, 40 Breakneck Hill Road in Lincoln, and you were right. We went, and it was an absolute blast. Uh, Because my wife had to work uh, today, we left at halftime, (laughs) and I'm glad we left at halftime, because that was the most fun. I don't know how fun it would have been had we had stayed. Uh, Kevin, the answer is I don't think it would have been very fun at all. But anyhow, folks, but they did have the game on. Now, today is Tuesday. Whether it's a nice uh, lunch right now, where they're open, you could go. You could sit in the dining room, or you could go into kind of the the lounge area. Folks, it's the Lodge Pub and Eatery, 40 Breakneck Hill Road in Lincoln. Stop in. They're waiting for you. Now, folks, right now it is 110. And I want to say this. I am, um, again, as I have said, I'm trying to be supportive of candidate Ashley Kalis, the Republican who's running for governor. But I'll I'll say this. I'm getting, I, I've already received two press releases from the deal campaign today. I, I've already gotten two from them. Still waiting for the first one from the Kalis campaign. So you have to, they're about to get locked out. The media is about to go into overdrive because of the fact that First Lady Jill Biden is coming to town. And there's already stories today. And then she's going to be going all afternoon. And what, what she's really doing that some people don't understand, what's the purpose of it? Right? What's the purpose of her coming in? Well, one of the things she's going to do is dominate the news cycle. And... For instance, if you're the McKee people, I'm not saying they do have bad news to get out. But if you want to put out some bad news, a time to do it would be the tonight, tomorrow morning, because the news cycle is going to be dominated. And First Lady Jill Biden is going to eat up the news cycle. So... Again, with, with the Kalis people, now she's doing a rally tonight, um, and I know that's like their big event, but you you got to do more than that. And they're doing a rally tonight, but as you just heard the forecast, as we look ahead to tonight, I'm seeing that there's going to be some showers, and the whole thing is, I believe, it's scheduled, it's going to be outside. So... Oh, good. The showers have now been pushed back. They're not till like nine o'clock. All right. So they're clear for the the Ashley uh, rally that is set for tonight. And it's my understanding that this is for an element of, you know, 
everyone, Democrats, Fakalis, people of a party, uh, which is, you know, anything to do that. She needs to improve. She's going to be, uh, she needs to um, step up things in the news cycle. And, and let me also just say this at 112, and I'm going to play some, we have a lot of sound with some of these debates that were going on in other parts of the country and the Republicans are really gaining ground. But I, I want people to understand right now, you have a media, a local media that is without question. Now, I can't, I can't speak to the deal Healy race. But Ashley Kalis is actually in a better position, much better position than Jeff Deal is. Maura Healy, according to the polls, she's somewhere in the mid-50s, 55, 56. Our friend Jeff Deal is more in the mid-30s. Now, Ashley Kalis finds herself in the mid-30s, but Governor McKee's in the mid-40s. So the Kalis-McKee race could really be more like under 10 points, under 10 points. But as I was saying, I can't speak for the Boston media. This local media would like this to be a really close race. They are not, this is not a situation, folks, where if you're saying that, that, oh, you know, the media is for the Democrat and blah, 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 that, that is not the case. You know, you may hear people say that on on Fox News or on, on Newsmax or One America or something or some of these podcasts and so forth. But you that does not, if anything, it is Governor McKee, he openly dislikes the local media. As I've explained in the past, I mean, he hates Channel 12. <laughs> he hates Channel 12. And he's not really making himself available to the media. He'll, he'll give them a few moments after... Uh, a press briefing after, um, excuse me, in lieu of a press briefing, when he's leaving a ribbon cutting of some kind, some announcement, he'll, you know, he'll give one of the locals, um, he'll, he'll give them, you know, what are you talking about? 20, 30 seconds, you maybe you get a question, maybe you get a follow up, maybe you don't get a follow up, but, and, and without question, now listen, there are some members of the media. I mean, there's certainly, as we've, we've talked about, I mean, the, what's been allowed to go on with the radio situation is it's kind of unprecedented when you have a campaign worker uh, who's allowed to be a radio circuit, uh, surrogate excuse me, on the air. But the only people that could raise a valid complaint about that would, in fact, be the Republican Party or the Kalis campaign. As far as the test scores... I'm seeing on Twitter, after initially planning to release state education to test results after the election, in response to public pressure, California released it today. So that pressure is missing. Rhode Island needs to keep the pressure up. Governor McKee, they didn't invent, hey, we'll just, we're going to save these bad test scores until after the election. They didn't invent that. Other states try to come up with it, but in California, because... There was so much pressure to get the test results. California caved and did release them. Governor McKee 
seems to be getting by on this business of that they're not ready to be released. And they, they should be released. It's all politics. And I even asked that to Ashley Kalis last week. As Governor McKee says, and Ashley Kalis was asked, Governor McKee says, you're making this about politics, the test scores. When someone announces they're not going to be released until after the election, that's the person who is making it political. That is what, um, that's the person that made it political. When someone then harps on it and says, hey, he's not, you know, the McKee people, they're holding back these test scores, this information, till after the election. I mean, I, I think that is completely, and it is completely fair game. So, but what I kind of like that we're seeing some of these campaigns around the country because it, it does give you an opportunity to see the way how some people are addressing you know they there are there are different people that are in tough races and how they're going about it now tonight is a big debate i want to play this is the the um today show report it's that senate campaign in pennsylvania dr Oz against john fetterman first and only to the debate of the campaign the, uh, the Today Show did a segment on this, and I want to play it. It's tonight at 8 o'clock. Savannah, good morning, good morning. So here we go. Just two weeks to go now, the race for the control of the House and Senate tighter than ever, coming down to just a, a handful of key races across the country. NBC's senior Washington correspondent, Hallie Jackson, has the latest on, on where things stand right now on the campaign trail. Hey, Hallie, good morning. Hey, Craig, good morning. You talk about those key races. One of them is in Pennsylvania for Senate with what could be a make-or-break moment coming in tonight's debate. The first and only, as people in critical states are starting to vote early, and our new polling shows polarization is off the charts. Call it a keystone clash today in Pennsylvania in a race that could tip the balance of power in the Senate. Republican candidate Dr. Mehmet Oz face-to-face in the first and only debate against Democratic Lieutenant Governor John Fetterman, who's downplaying expectations after a stroke five months ago that affected his speech. His campaign in a new memo this morning calling the debate unprecedented, previewing the likelihood of awkward pauses or missing some words, adding that the live captioning process they're using may also lead to time delays and errors in the exchanges. That debate set for tonight coming after another overnight in Florida where the firebrand Republican governor Ron DeSantis is widely speculated to be looking past November to 2024 and a possible White House run. His opponent, former Governor Charlie Crist, trailing in the polls. Yes or no, Ron? Will you serve a full four-year term if you're reelected governor of Florida? It's not a tough question. The only worn-out old donkey I'm looking to put out to pasture is Charlie Crist. Two weeks out from Election Day and across the country, people are interested, really interested, with a new NBC News poll showing 70% of registered voters raring to cast their ballots. The highest number of any midterm campaign in the history of our poll. Think of that. Republicans, more enthusiastic than Democrats, 78 to 69%. But right now, stunning polarization. 80% of voters think the other side poses an existential threat to the country. President Biden, in a kind of pep talk from party headquarters, laying out the stakes. Everybody wants to make it a referendum, but it's a choice between two vastly different visions for America. 
When you talk about the top issues that matter right now, about a third of Democrats say it's threats to democracy with dozens of Republican election deniers on ballots. And about a third of Republicans say their top issue, jobs and the economy with two weeks to go now until Election Day. Craig? You know, that is going to be really interesting tonight. And clearly the that Pennsylvania debate, clearly that is, um, they, they're trying to, you know, if he can just come out okay, this is this is a big moment for Dr. Oz. I mean, this is what he's been waiting for. Folks, they're close to home right now at 120. I, I want to be very clear. It, it, it's, you know, the Kalis campaign, Ashley Kalis is the Republican who is running against Governor McKee. She is she is an outsider. She is new to the state. She is uh, a businesswoman. She is a mother. She has a young family. But she is an alternative. She is actually the opposite of Governor McKee. She this is this is an opposite election. And this election is also a referendum on if you want to see the state to continue to go down the direction that it's going. To me, that's what it's all about. Whether or not, if you feel, yeah, I think things are going great. If you are a union member, state worker, then you think that. I don't think most people feel that way. I don't think most people feel that way. I think most people would like, you can't be more of an opposite than Ashley Kalis. That is the hand that we've been dealt. Those are the options. At 122, at 122 on this Tuesday, this portion of the John DePietro Show, folks, remember you can listen AM 1380, 99.9 FM. You can always listen online at the website, which is dePietro.com. You just click on the left-hand side, says listen live. It's crystal clear. Can't be any clearer. I would, uh, I could, and you can get it anywhere, as a matter of fact. I used to be able to listen um, when I was in Ukraine, when I was in Eastern Poland. I mean, it's worldwide. I have people that travel, that listen, that uh, listen in China. I have a family member that travels in Asia. You can literally pull up to Petro.com and listen to the pro. It's, it's, it is amazing. Anywhere truly in the world. Uh, this portion of the John DePietro Show. Folks, and it's brought to you by It's My Health, 1099 Menden Road in Cumberland. Stop in and see Marie. It's My Health. They, she helps people take responsibility for their own health. Best products. Uh, you can find great products. Many of them are made locally. Vitamins, herbal remedies. I like shopping locally. I like supporting a local business person, a local retailer, and that person is our friend Marie at It's My Health. Local products like Isae, honey, maple syrup, beef, fresh gum, herbs, teas, and spices, hemp and CBD products, natural skincare products. Folks, It's My Health. Right now, if you're listening to AM 1380 and you're on Menden Road, you could pop in. I'm envious and see our friend Marie right in that historic white church, diagonally across from Davenport Restaurant, corner of Martin Street and Menden Road. It's my health, 1099 Menden Road in Cumberland. Well, folks, good afternoon.
You're listening to the John DePietro Show. It's AM 1380 and 99.9 FM. Now, I also want to play. This is this morning, Good Morning America. They look at the map. Republicans' odds of controlling Congress have approved. A big part of this is taking over Congress as far as uh, the House. But now it's increasing very good chance they may take the Senate as well. And this would be monumental. Let's hear. This is uh, Good Morning America. Momentum's clearly going towards Republicans right now. Yeah, we've seen a real shift just in the last couple of weeks, George. This is the most basic question. Do you want a Democrat or a Republican to control Congress? You saw up until a couple days ago, Democrats actually were leading in that. But in the last few days, Republicans have nosed ahead. They're up by about half a percentage point. And here's the thing. The way the districts are drawn, typically Democrats have to outperform Republicans by a couple of points. They even have a chance to hold on to the House and the Senate. Few key races in the Senate could go either way. Yeah, look, a 50-50 Senate, any single seat could be the majority maker or the majority breaker. Uh, just take Pennsylvania. For right now, Democrats have about a little bit better than a coin flip chance, 55 out of 100 chance, according to our partners of 538, of taking the Senate. But we've got the only Senate debate in Pennsylvania. And if John Fetterman is able to defeat Dr. Oz after having that first debate today, all of a sudden Democrats jump to about a three and four chance of taking the Senate, just based on that one race. Now, Republicans, of course, they're on offense a whole lot of places. Maybe their best opportunity for a pickup out in Nevada. Senator Catherine Cortez Masto, one of the most endangered Democrats anywhere in the country right now. If Nevada goes red, Republicans go to about a 7 in 10 chance just based on that race. And Republican takeover of the House all but certain? Look, you see what right now, Democrats who are battling a lot of tough history, a lot of tough map, maps, math, all of these things are pointing in the same direction. Democrats have almost no margin for error. Republicans just have to fly about five seats to take over the majority. History would suggest that that's extremely easy to do. And here's the thing. 538 has run just about every possible scenario, and they see all of these red ones. That means that Republicans are heavily favored, about an 8 in 10 chance to take over the House. Thank God, folks, right? Thank God. Some kind of balance right now. All right, let's go. This is their piece on the uh, Florida debate last night. I want to hear this. I'm in West Palm Beach. Good morning, Cecilia. Hey, George, good morning to you. Early voting is already underway right here, and Ron DeSantis, he's got a commanding lead in the polls, but in that debate last night, his, his opponent, Charlie Chris, really tried to shine a spotlight on some of the governor's more controversial policies, including the fact that he could be gearing up for a White House run in the not-too-distant future. The only debate in this heated race, and the candidates came out swinging. Governor DeSantis has taken his eye off the ball. He's focused on running for president. Charlie Crist has voted with Joe Biden 100% of the time. The heated issues driving voters to the polls around the country, front and center here in this battleground state. Republican incumbent Governor Ron DeSantis hitting hard on the economy. We have the worst inflation of 40 years. It's much more expensive to replace a roof today than just three years ago, thanks to the Biden Crist policies. That, unfortunately, is contributing to the increase. While challenger Charlie Crist, a former Republican governor himself, turned Democratic con- Congressman attacked DeSantis for signing a law that bans abortions at 15 weeks with no exceptions for rape or incest. I want to make sure we keep a woman's right to choose available to the women of the state of Florida. Also on full display, DeSantis's controversial move to use Florida taxpayer dollars to fly migrants from the Texas border to Martha's Vineyard. I thought what the governor did was a horrible political stunt. It's sad that it comes to this, but what we did put this issue front and center. And while Joe Biden is not on the ballot here, DeSantis repeatedly tried to turn it into a referendum on his presidency, invoking Biden's name some 10 times in an hour. 
Chris firing back, accusing DeSantis of looking well beyond next month's midterms and to 2024, a charge DeSantis refused to answer. Why don't you look in the eyes of the people of the state of Florida and say to them, if you're reelected, you will serve a full four-year term as governor, yes or no? Yes or no, Ron? Will you serve a full four-year term if you're reelected governor of Florida? It's not a tough question. It's a fair question. He won't tell you. We did not agree on the candidates asking each other questions. Governor, it's your turn. Well, listen, I know that Charlie's interested in talking about 2024 and Joe Biden, but I just want to make things very, very clear. The only worn-out old donkey I'm looking to put out to pasture is Charlie Chris. Was the moment, needless to say, of that debate last night. Now, President Biden will be right here in South Florida for a rally with Charlie Chris next week. It's just the president's second campaign rally of these midterms. George, it really shows how laser focused Democrats are, not only on this government. Folks, President Biden, as I played in the first hour, good afternoon right now at 129 on this Tuesday. You're listening to the John DePietro show. I played it earlier. I mean, President Biden is uh, he, he's even slowing down even more. And I didn't think that was possible. But him saying to telling the vice president, happy birthday to a great president. I mean, this is just beyond the pale. He is someone that clearly, I mean, listen to this. This is even uncomfortable to listen uh, to. We know uh, your mom's always with you. Happy birthday, great president. Uh, We know uh, your mom's always with you. I mean, he actually even... I hate to say it sounds even like a little drunk. I, I don't believe he was. But now Tucker Carlson last night, <clears throat> I want to play this. He said the Democrat Party are basically the way they act like children. Listen to Tucker last night. This past June, you remember this, Democrats howled in outrage. For weeks, every hour on MSNBC sounded like a plot summary from The Handmaid's Tale. Theocracy rising! They'll be burning witches! Liberals seem genuinely upset, and probably most were, but on some level, not very deep beneath the surface, the people who run the Democratic Party weren't upset at all. They were thrilled. Here, finally, was an issue for them to run on in the midterm elections. It was an issue perfectly suited to a party that had nothing else to talk about. Are they going to brag about Joe Biden? I don't think so. So it's going to be abortion. They're going to take your abortions away. That was the Democratic message for the midterm elections, the ones that are coming up in just a few days. But there was a problem with the messaging. So COVID had just ended. And people, not being entirely stupid, still remembered that this very same Democratic Party, the same people, had forced the entire population to wear paper masks like children. And then to take the shot as a condition of going outside. So women have the right to control their own bodies? Hmm, they used to tell us that. And then they fired thousands of nurses for refusing to submit to an experimental vaccine. So the phrase, my body, my choice, had been, as we say in the news business, overtaken by events. Clearly Democrats needed a new slogan, a new way to talk about abortion. Unfortunately, nobody could think of one. Your body, my choice? No, that wouldn't work. It was too real. So in the end, liberals just dusted off the same old talking points and pretended like COVID never happened. Watch. The midterm election is now less than three weeks away. And in the final stretch, I've noticed, I don't know if you've noticed, frankly, this 
gaslighting of women voters. This message that says, oh, you don't really care about your right to control your own bodies, dears. It's the economy, stupid. You've got a media narrative that says that women don't really care about abortion. That women don't really mind if the states control their bodies. They don't care about that. They just care about the price of milk. Yeah, it would be a shame if states got to control people's bodies, like telling people what to wear on their faces or what drugs they have to be injected with. That would be like a handmaid's tale. Theocracy! Next, they'll be trying to control what you read on social media. Oh, wait. <laughs> it's all pretty amusing. And the good news is that for once, lines this preposterous are not working. Abortion politics is a total fixation of Democratic donors. It's the main. You know what's uh, funny about that, folks? And again, at 132, good afternoon. You're listening to the John DePietro Show. It's AM 1380 and 99.9 FM. That has been the entire campaign of General Treasurer Seth Magaziner. His entire campaign has been on one issue. And now they're, they're trying to flip off that and realize that that's not the issue that matters to people. I'm anxious to see. Now, Pat Cordelessa, actually. Pat Cordelessa debated... Uh, this was on, it's called State of the State. Let me play a little bit. Our friend Pat is running for Secretary of State, and he's trying his best as a Republican. And he's debating Greg Amori, who is the Democrat to replace Nellie Gorbea. And it's, it's one of those, it's a down-ballot race. It doesn't get the attention that it should so I want to hear a little bit of um, this is the the race for Secretary of State between Democrat Greg Amori and Pat Cordelessa. The former president has said that the election was stolen. He has a vast number of followers. There's at least 35% of uh, Americans who, who absolutely believe that the last election was stolen. And that's because he has said it. And he had, he had the greatest bully pulpit that he could have. And so this is uh, it's referred to as the big lie. This is something that he has perpetuated. Now, that's, that's the reason for the lack of confidence in the system. Uh, what we have to do as elected officials, as public officers, is push back on that with facts and talk about the 60-plus court cases that have, have been dismissed. Talk about the attorney general who worked for the president, the president's appointee, who said there was no widespread voter fraud. Talk about the Department of Homeland Security appointment, who is his appointee, who said it was the safest election in modern history. We have to push back on that because the most dangerous thing we face is a lack of confidence in our democracy. If we continually have a situation... Do you think we have a democracy or a republic? Well, we have a republic, but the voting process is, is democratic. We have a democratic republic, but the voting process is democracy, one man, one vote. Um, we, have to, we have to push... That's, that's the As Lincoln said, we, we, we can only be defeated by ourselves. And we can be defeated if we do not accept the results of election. If my side doesn't win and I don't accept that, we don't have a democracy. We don't have a republic. Our nation cannot, cannot exist. And so we have to make sure that we're we're laying the facts out so that when someone questions whether or not the president uh, the, the presidency was stolen, we can say, well, how can how can a presidency be stolen if down ballot Republicans won on the exact same ballot that the number one Republican on the ballot lost on? That's an impossibility. It's a 
statistical impossibility, it's a practical impossibility. Um, and, and, and we don't talk about that enough. And I think we have to really lay that out to let people know that, yeah, th there are stewards of elections, they're doing their job, and we have to make sure that our democracy survives. And the only way it survives is if we have continuous transition of power and the other side accepting the results of an election. Do you want to say, so, would you say down? Down ballot. So the, the U.S. Senate candidate won on the same ballot that Trump lost. That's an impossibility for the election to have been stolen from the president if a U.S. senator uh, on the same ballot mm -hmm. won, but the president lost. It's, 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 there's no logic. Do you want to comment on sure. Greg's okay. Well, I think, you know, this is just not from 2020. Go back to 2016. The Democratic nominee, she claimed there was fraud, election, uh, you know, mismanagement. Uh, uh, President-elect, uh, the candidate, uh, Hillary Clinton, she, it's out there that she basically said that her, her election was stolen. President Trump uh, had Russian connections. There were dossier is completely bogus. And she conceded the election. And she showed up to the inauguration. She conceded the election. Okay, yes, that's, that's, I think that's correct. But what she did publicly say... Said there was influence, yes. Influence, and it was she was stolen from her. Mm -hmm. and you had Tracy Abrams a couple years back also claim that uh, her election for governor in, in Georgia was stolen. Who also conceded the election. So the bottom line is... Right, but, but if our, but if our uh, politicians that are running have doubts... Right. How do the people so, so, and, and those, you know, these are, two, those are two completely different cases, right? Uh, Hillary Clinton was talking about Russian outside influence, right? That that Im impacted her election. I think Stacey Abrams was talking about voter suppression. Mm -hmm. Either way, the election process itself, both of those candidates accepted the results of the election process. What they were saying is outside influences may have turned that election one way or the other. Which did not happen. Right? Okay, so that's what they were claiming. Stacey Abrams' uh, lawsuit was thrown out. Yeah, they lost. And they admitted they lost. That's the big difference, right? And the big difference is this president, the last president, has not admitted that he had lost. And he's created a narrative that's false around the process. I don't disagree with that, that both of those candidates claimed one thing or the other. I happen to, I happen to disagree with uh, Mrs. Clinton. I don't think she ran a great campaign. And that's probably why she lost. Um, so, so, but the bottom line is both conceded and both said, yes, I, I, I am not the elected official in this position. I, I, I in fact, uh, Mrs. Clinton gave a concession speech and, and, and again, showed up to the next inauguration. That's the danger is when we don't accept the results of an election, we can say what we want and people say what they want all the time. But you have to at some point accept the results and move on. Anything else? Well, I think the, I think it's time to move on. I think uh, I, I think it's we'll time from this question. <laughs> I think it's, it's, it's time to move on and and, and, and uh, you know and get into the uh, candidates and huh? hopefully uh, people will accept the uh, the figures and uh, hopefully the uh, the signature issue was the major issue with, with the pandemic and I think that's why President Trump was upset because he felt that some of the signature requirements and verifications were suspect and I'm not defending that position I just want the public to know that um, he had you know his uh, his issues too so again you know here we are 2022 and we need to you know go on to the next new elections and hopefully I'll provide the general public with um,
code of integrity. Okay. And, um, you know, I mean, we've had, we've had a secretary of state in Rhode Island that basically, you know, in a primary closed down 33% of the polling locations for That's right. Clinton against um, Bernie, Sanders. Uh, Bernie Sanders in a primary in 2016. I would never do that for any favoritism to help a candidate out. And we don't, I don't think we have the time to get into that. Well, I don't, I don't think the Secretary of State has that power. Those local canvases. That, that's what happened. Which of the polling locations are going to be open? Mm -hmm. So that I, I, Down south, this is the major issue. You were talking about Rhode Island. That's true. Yeah. But down south, mm -hmm. those issues are, are used and those excuses are used exactly to keep voter suppression that's down. right, Pat. Closing up a lot of the polling Pat locations. Pat Lessa has them on the road. Secretary of State, if, that, if I find out for the Board of yeah. Elections, if they had that philosophy going, no way. You've got to keep those poll, polling locations. I don't want to hear about financial issues. i got a $17 million budget. You have to do that as Secretary of State. Absolutely. That, I would never well, have you, that you out have, of my You watch. have influence on the process, but mm. the local canvassing authorities determine which of the polling locations are open. Or the Board of Elections. And you are the chief of, you are, remember, the Secretary of State is the chief financial, I'm sorry, the chief election official. Mm -hmm. So she has a, ultimately authority, you know, I mean, she could put, or he could put that um, influence on, on the Board of Elections. There's a collaboration that goes on between the canvassing authorities, the Department of State, and the Board of Elections. But in regard to polling locations, that collaboration goes on between the, the Department said of said in the, the email... Contact Nelly. Determination as to what the turnout is. It said it in the email. And how many polling locations need to be open. And so there is influence there. At the end of the day, the local canvassing authority uh, determines which polling places are open based on information that they have from the Department of State and their own information. Well, using that philosophy, thinking that you know you have a presidential primary in 2016 against uh, uh, Senator Sanders against.
Oh, it's very, it's, it's not projected to be that high this yeah. time around. Do you have any concerns about mail-in ballots? Yes. No. Okay. Well, here's the major, major concern. It, it, from and, my, and part of that answer is that we saw no concerns with it. Oh, come on. They're not even looking for fraud. There, there are no, there, there really, I think there were three total cases of, of fraud that are, pros, that are being prosecuted. They're not looking for it. Come on, Pat. Do you, do you support um, permanently removing the witness notary requirements? No. But what might happen if to... Uh. Come on, Pat. Like, I mean, if somebody can just mark an X, and yeah, it's not—that's two questions. Okay. Yeah. Then, Come on, Pat. So the witness uh, signatures or notary were removed by the Lead Rhode Island Vote Act. Uh, in my mind, that's an anti-ballot harvesting measure. Uh, when you require two witnesses or a notary, you're actually putting a campaign in with a voter. That vote is requiring two signatures to witness. That vote is requiring a notary. Many campaigns used to hire At least then you have a pass. Putting the campaign in the room. In this case, you're voting on your own Australian ballot, which is the private ballot that we all, uh, all uh, have, have experienced for our entire, our, our entire uh, history. Come on, he gave you the debate. Uh, the private ballot is, is, is made out. You sign your name. You sign the envelope. This There's is Greg Amori. Seems to be doing a lot of the talking. That's that's a secure system, uh, and and not only that, the two witnesses that that were uh, signing in previous on, uh, elections, no one verified those witnesses anyway. I mean, I, I don't know how you could verify who those. At least were. then you have a path and a record. Um, a signature verification on them. In fact, in many cases, they may not have even been Rhode Islanders. Mm -hmm. Okay, so before we go to the next question, well, when you remove safety precautions mm -hmm. like the witness in the notary, mm -hmm. what did you put in its place? So my question is, why with the million dollar machine down there to read the mail ballot signatures, which is the major issue here, you want the general public to have faith in the system, mm -hmm. the machine has a software to be able to read the signature that matches the voter roll. It's not on. They decide to use two individuals to match the signature when it comes through the through the machine. Mm -hmm. Number one, for a candidate, they've taken away the right post-election for myself, for Greg, or anybody to go in, to sit at the table, to look at the, the matching signatures on the mail ballots that reflected your campaign. Quick analogy. You lost by 100 votes, and you had uh, on, Pat, take the mail ballots went against you. Well, I think as a candidate, we should have an opportunity to make sure those signatures match yes. the total um, That's of, right. of our tally. Folks, this is Pat Cartelessa. We have to trust Secretary of State candidate. Now, I understand they took a half hour class. mopping the, the floor in the Secretary of State debate. But they're not hand experts, number one. And there could be some kind of political favoritism or That's political right. influence there with these individuals. That's right, That's Pat. Are they bipartisan? Are they a Republican? Yep. Democrat? Do we have that? comfort level. So I don't think by taking away those safety precautions, yep. they've, they've addressed okay. the issue. So That's right. Do you agree that two witnesses no. and a notary is not the best route, not the best way to verify the, the vote? 
but you the ballot. It, the ballot. The ballot. There, there has to be another way. Exactly. Yeah. That's right, Pat. You, you, and you, can we have another way? way? So, so I, I would agree that we, we should use technology where it's available. Uh -huh. right? So if, if we have the software to uh, do signature verification, which we do, I don't know what, at what level that is now compared to what has been developed since uh, we bought that uh, software, we should use it. Um, and Come on, Pat. anybody that's toward the Board of Elections sees how the process is uh, is done, right? The signatures come up on the on the board. You get a signature from the envelope, a signature from the ballot, a signature from the DMV or from a state ID. Um, and you make that comparison. And then two people, and they are supposed to be nonpartisan uh, people, determine whether this or not... This is Greg Amore, Democrat for Secretary of State. Either one of them has a question. Mm. It goes to the next level of review. Um, and, and that's the process. But we're, I wouldn't disagree agree with that. I think where we can use technology, uh, signature verification technology, we should, and many states are. And really, the only way that the Board of Elections gives the candidates to be able to sit there and look at that is between 8 p.m. of the night of the election, when the mail ballots are starting to be fed through the machine, to probably 2 a.m. or midnight. So you would have to sit there and object to a signature that's on that mail ballot. Think about that process. That's, a, that's pretty, and, and, and you probably have about five seconds to look when they come on the screen to object. Wait a minute, and it's, it's not correct. It's not, it doesn't give the, the, uh, the feeling of it's, it's, a fair, it's a fair shake. And by the way, this is not a Republican issue. This, is, this could be a Democratic issue in a primary. But, but, I, but I, I think if, if folks experienced what that looks like uh -huh. in real time, I think they would feel comfortable with it. I, 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 listen, I, I want to use the, the software. I, I'm a big proponent of signature verification no. software. Uh, but I think if folks looked at the Board of Elections process and watched it go through its its protocol, I think they'd be comfortable with that signature verification. Yeah. Well, They're not even using it in Rhode Island. His co-signer of this Vote Rhode Island Act, I feel that they, they the committee, had a great opportunity That's right. to put restrictions on, on ballot That's offices. right, Pat. You know, right now you could have an individual out there yep. pay, call them a uh, political mercenary of yeah. a team, and they can go out and get as many mail ballots That's right. and deposit them into the board of elections or yeah. the drop boxes. That's right. So you can have teams of people going out there and uh, basically getting four, five hundred to a thousand, maybe more or less uh, mail ballots. And we should have put a restriction on that ballot harvesting opportunity there. So. It would have made a great, great difference in the bill. It would have eliminated that issue, number one, perception, very important. And also, again, a traditionalist approach to politics, um, the flavor of politics the, the, for, the, for the voters to meet the candidates. At election day, at the polling locations, how many ballot harvest is all over the place? It's commercialized. Um, it's become disenfranchised with voter. They don't even know who they're voting for, basically, unless you know they're, they're told to, to vote for a certain person out of curiosity. Who knows? But um, I don't feel comfortable, and my constituents don't feel comfortable the way the system is now without that protection regarding ballot harvesting. I think that's a that's a concern. So I think the Let Rhode Island Vote Act in removing the witness signatures and removing the notary does, goes a long way to eliminating true ballot harvesting. Because, you know, collecting somebody's ballot that's been signed and sealed with a signature on the outside, that's basically, basically you're a delivery system.
you're, you're delivering that to either a, a, a mailbox or a Dropbox or a board of canvases, right? Um, so so the, the real ballot harvesting happens when the campaign gets involved in the vote. And when you're requiring two witnesses or you require a notary, the campaign is involved in the vote and they can get involved. You need a couple of signatures here or you need a notary. Now, now you're in the room with that voter. In this case, a voter has responsibility to seal that ballot, sign that ballot. I think we've already heard this. Mailed. Uh, if, they're, if I'm going to hand my mail ballot to Pat and say, Pat, would you drop this in the mailbox on the way home? I'm trusting Pat to do that. Oh, come on. Maybe I shouldn't, but yes. it's my responsibility. I, I mean, I, I have faith in, in voters. Uh, I think the American people and Rhode Islanders are smart people. Oh. I think the vast, vast majority of them uh, take care of their own ballot, uh, however they so choose to. Folks, again, that is the Democrat. Good afternoon. I know that went a little long, but the race is not getting a lot of attention. I think it should. That is the race for Secretary of State. The person you had or just heard was Democrat Greg Amori against Republican Pat Cordelessa. Anyone that is paying attention, is there anyone that believes this whole business that we have to have early voting makes no sense at all? It's not fair to the candidates, it's not fair to the campaigns. You don't get an accurate reflection. Of what's happening leading up to the moment of election day. And I think one of the best examples of it, and I don't know why we haven't heard it. Now, that's not all of the debate, but was on election day, Helena folks won the primary. She won. She won at the ballot box that day. She beat Dan McKee at the ballot box that day. Okay, then why is he... In the primary, because of mail ballots, the unions went out and they stuffed and grunt mail ballots. If, if you somehow, it's too long. Early voting started last Wednesday. It's all this week. It's all next week. Then up to the 8th. It is a myth that you're getting more people to participate. You're not. The primary showed that, and this election will show that. The only thing you're increasing is the opportunity for fraud. The more opportunities there are for cheating, the more people will cheat. And hear me out. Who's listing right now? It's 154. It's Tuesday afternoon. You're listening to the John DePietro Show. It's AM 1380 and 99.9 FM. Anyone that's listening right now, if you, either now or in the past, if you've ever had a situation where you were running a business and dealing with cash, then, then, then people will, you'll, you know, the more opportunities for people to steal, for theft, the more opportunities there are, the more that then people may do it. Anyone listening right now, if you run a bar, if you run anything where you are a cash business, people are handling money. You have to put in precautions against theft. The more opportunities there are, the more that you run the risk that someone could steal from you. It's different, but it's the same as voting. Even on, if you had just, if you did away with all these early voting and mail ballots, just election day, there's still people that would try to gain the system. If you said, okay, 
we're going to do it the day before and day of, two days of voting. Now you've just increased the possibility that more somebody could try to game the system. If you did it a week, the longer you do it, the more opportunity for people to game the system. Now, I don't believe all this software. Rhode Island wasn't even using the matching signature verification. And on top of that, I've talked about it, and it even came out in the debate. And that is the fact that all you have to do is put an X, and that serves as a signature. The real bottom line that no one's talking about, there's no checks and balances. Here's the part that a lot of people don't understand that I've talked about is it's where the system has gone off track is the registering people to vote. And it's very common. What people do is they're registered twice to vote, one time by their first name. Let's just say your name is Jeff Anthony, Jeff Anthony Gamach. I'm just using this as an example. Sorry, Jeff. But what they do is they register Jeff Anthony, and I don't know Jeff's middle name, Gamach, to vote. But then they do Anthony J. It's It sounds simple, but that, that he, that's someone who's just, they just, they're registered twice to vote. They're voting twice. And folks, you look over the voter rolls. There's so many different examples of that. We, we don't need that. If, 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 if they introduced early voting and the amount of people participating shot through the roof, well, then that, that's different. Then you're saying, see, there are a lot of people that wanted to vote that could not. But that's not the case. Right? Who listening right now, you've worked in a bar. Anyone that's worked in a bar that's open till 2 o'clock, what's their biggest hour? When do they make the most money? When do they sell the most drinks between 1 o'clock and 2 (laughs) o'clock? If the bar closes at 1 they sell the most drinks between midnight and one. And I'm talking like a nightclub. So if if someone, you know, let's just say then you close the bar at midnight, their biggest hour would be 11 to 12. But then if you then extended it till two, they would obviously make a lot more money and sell a lot more drinks. I think I'm making an analogy here. Folks, speaking of drinks, remember this portion of the Don DePietro show on this Tuesday, October 25th. And it's brought to you by the Lodge Pub and Eatery, 40 Breakneck Hill Road in Lincoln. Are you hungry right now? Right now you haven't had lunch? Well, take 146. Take the Breakneck Hill Road exit. Boom. Right off the exit, you'll find the Lodge Pub and Eatery, 40 Breakneck Hill Road in Lincoln. You can sit in the dining room. You can sit in the lounge. When it's nice out, you can sit out on the deck. You're going to love it. Great food, good times, great drinks, all waiting for you at the Lodge Pub and Eatery, 40 Breakneck Hill Road in Lincoln. So this debate tonight, this should be interesting with Dr. Raz and this Fetterman, the lieutenant governor, running against him. Very interested to see this debate. They're only doing one debate, by the way. They're doing one debate, and that's it. Oz is skilled. He's been on television a long time. The other guy had a stroke. Not only does he have problems speaking, he has problems hearing. And he says the wrong words. It's a pivotal debate for the battle of the Senate, Pennsylvania. 
And if you scrounge around, you could find it online. All right, listen, we're gonna we are gonna do Facebook Live later. I want everyone to enjoy this Tuesday. Now we're back on the radio tomorrow at eleven. The election is in two weeks. Two weeks. I want you to stay tuned for the two o'clock news, and I will see you on Facebook later. WNRI Winsocket.